On tonight's episode, we're going to listen for a cat's footfall. We look for the breath of a fish, and we try to touch the wind. That's right, it's time we talked about rights. Good evening and hello, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Thanks for being with us again. So, introductory property law classes often introduce the idea of property rights as a bundle of sticks. Each stick in the bundle represents a different right or different permission pertaining to the property in question. The power company, for instance, has an easement to service their lines the gas company has an easement to service their gas service. Government is owed taxes. The bank holds the mortgage. These are all sticks in the bundle that pertain to the owner's property, your property, but are held by entities other than the owner of the property. For instance, you cannot tell the gas company that they can't service their gas line that runs through your front yard. If they have to do something to that line, they are allowed to come and do it. Oftentimes, they have to notify you and they have to replace what they disturb, but they still have the right to come and do the work. You cannot ban them from doing the work. This bundle of sticks analogy can also be very useful in visualizing an individual's rights. Free speech zones, gun-free zones, blue laws, decency codes, protest permits, corporate speech codes, DEI determinations— the feelings of others, problematic speech, problematic thinking, unpopular opinions, transphobic speech, homophobic speech, fatphobic speech, racist speech, privileged speech, white privilege, handicapable privilege, all of this, all of these things are supposedly sticks in your bundle of rights that are held by others. Some of those limitations are valid. Most of them are not valid. Wait, hold on. What are we talking about? Who gave anyone rights over your rights? No one did. They took it. They continue to take it day by day, more each day, and you let them. Though there are reasons for that. We'll get to that thorny issue in a little bit. But for now, you let them take your rights based on one of two models. The first, and by the far the more popular model, is force. Raw, naked aggression. Might makes right. They, whether they is government, corporate governance, societal gatekeepers, the media establishment, or any other governmental or private organization, or private organization, enforce compliance and obtain compliance through force. That force is most commonly applied in the form of threats. You'll be fired from your job. You'll be canceled from your media platform. You'll go to prison if you step out of line and break this law. If you say this, this will be the consequence. If you behave like that, there'll be this consequence. It's real Banana Republic type stuff, folks. Real Banana Republic stuff here. Thought police, Twitterati mobs, human resource departments, race grifters. It's an entire industry built on suppressing you on the altar of exclusive inclusivity. We're living in truly fun times, aren't we? 
The other model is through an appeal to duty, universal morality, good versus evil, a higher authority, something outside the self used by those in authority to control behavior, and, at least with organized religion, fundraise. Everyone knows God loves you more when you enrich his servants. Looking right at you, Martin Luther. But why do we do this? Why do we give others authority over us? Is it a conscious decision? Is it something we're born with? Do we just enjoy bending the knee? Well, that depends on what nature of that that depends on what you believe is the nature of humanity. Aristotle thought some men were born as slaves and some were born to rule. An underclass and a natural ruling class. Rousseau saw the world as people born into slavery rather than born as slaves, beaten down through generations of control to accept the life that they had rather than risk it for something that they did not have. Bernard of Clairvaux believed we were the literal image of God. Thomas Aquinas believed we were in the image of God insofar as we could reason. But all of these discussions failed to explain, first, where do rights come from? And second, why do we give authority over our why do we give others authority over our individual rights? Entire libraries have been written on these subjects. Millions, maybe tens of millions of pages, all asking the same questions. The problem though is that too much of this work is scholarly. Too much is unapproachable unapproachable by a layman curious of the nature of rights. Bizarrely, we find ourselves in a situation where the intelligentsia control the majority of the access to the most important questions of our very existence. There's opportunity there. Opportunities that have been exploited throughout history to lead humanity deeper into bondage and further from the freedom everyone is born with. This, my friends, is what we know as the modern progressive mindset where your rights don't matter, and you are a problematic expression of privilege. The world has seen this all before, countless times. Marxism, different forms of totalitarianism, fascism, various theocracies, petty dictatorships, from the halls of the Forbidden City all the way down into the hallways of your local bureaucratic labyrinth, ad nauseum, emphasis on the nausea. Our own society almost exclusively relies on forcing compliance through force. Government enjoys a monopoly on force, being the only entity that can both use force against the people and adjudicate those same use of force incidents internally out of the eyes of the people that they just exercised the force against. Now, what the hell sense does that make? Like, think about what that's really saying. Government has a monopoly on force, they can do to us whatever they can justify, whereas we can do nothing to them. That's really what a monopoly on force is. That's really what it is. We see this further expanded in the social exile of people, ideas, and art that a vocal minority deems unfit, problematic, or non-inclusive. Entire industries are currently aligned against free expression to coerce and compel society at large to think as they think, to act as they act. This, then, is the collective hellscape progressives and their allies in entertainment, media, and government seek to build on the ashes of Western civilization. But, wait, hold on. We still haven't gotten to what our rights are, have we? 
And we still haven't even looked at where do our rights even come from? Well, that depends on what rights you might find yourself talking about. Are you talking about civil rights, legal rights, personal rights, individual rights, natural rights, human rights, fundamental rights, negative rights, positive rights? Oh, man, there is a long list of different rights. There's this, this is why we have libraries full of these very issues. But all right, full stop. Let's start this again. What are we actually talking about? Simple enough. We're talking about rights. All right, good. But what sort of rights? Oh, well, you know, rights. Rights, rights, right? Right. See the problem? Where do you begin? How do you begin? When do you begin? Is your explanation overly technical, too complicated for your audience, or is it a simplified mess of generality stuck together with a dialectic equivalent of chewed gum? Here's a challenge for you. Let me set the scene. You're at a cocktail party. You have 10 seconds to explain rights like an adult and without resorting to religion, God, the Constitution, magic, or any other governmental source, modern or ancient. Your audience is either left of center, but interested in what you have to say, or they're theological leaning right of center and still interested in what you have to say. They're at least open, if not receptive, to what you have to say. Rights as an elevator pitch, the most important elevator pitch of your life. It's time to sell them. All rights come from our right to property. All rights come from our right to property. A right to property defined at its narrowest is one's own thoughts and body. It is the primordial right from which all others are extrapolated. Thanks to Descartes, we know we exist irrespective of any divine authority. Our primordial right to property flows from our rational existence. Cogito ergo sum, I am a conscious, thinking being capable of forming complex thoughts, regardless of or despite external pressures or influences. I have a sense of self. I refer to myself in the singular. I view the world through my individual experiences and conceptions. My thoughts and experiences are mine alone. I possess my thoughts. They are my property. I am free to express myself, monetize my property, and defend my property from external forces. One of the most famous lines most people have never read is the first line in Rousseau's The Social Contract. Man was born free, and he is everywhere in chains. The history of the world can thus be summed up as the struggle between the internal self and the external world, the fight between freedom and control. Enter Rousseau's social contract. We exist. We have a primordial right to ourselves, our faculties, our thoughts, our property. But our lives in a state of nature would be short, brutal, savage affairs. So we choose to come together to form societies. And as a necessary result of that coming together, we voluntarily give up some of our bundle of rights to make society tolerable. The problem here 
lies in when the authorities over us usurp the power we gave them and convince us that they have the power they do to some greater authority. Oftentimes, that greater authority is simply a poorly disguised might-makes-right argument. The Constitution, for all it gets right, is just another social contract. It may be better than many, or even most, but it still relies on obedience through force, even if it does attempt to curtail governmental authority through the use of negative rights. Government, however, still finds a way to overcome these restrictions on its authority. The state is, according to Murray Rothbard, a predatory entity that produces nothing, steals everything, and supports itself by convincing the average citizen it is both necessary and proper. After all, without predatory taxation, how would we finance roads? Without a military-industrial complex, how would we influence the politics of other nations? How would freedom itself be defended if we didn't send 18-year-olds to go fight over poppy fields a world away? We live in a society and a time where the struggle between freedom and control is reaching a tipping point. Government and private industry have essentially created a panopticon where the citizens are the prisoners. We can be under surveillance by any number of means, by any number of individuals, at many, if not most, points in our day. Yet we have no idea who or what is watching us, or even if we're being watched. In many ways, the peasant of medieval England or France enjoyed a greater degree of freedom in their daily lives than we do today. Rights need to be defended. Sometimes that defense calls for rebellion and revolution. Sometimes it calls for men to step forward and say, no more, this is my line, and there will not be any more taken from me. That's one of the inciting drives behind this podcast. It's time we started saying no. We can all learn something by remembering Rousseau's words next time a local bureaucrat tells us to wear masks in public, a land whale attacks our so-called privilege, or a mediocre male athlete breaks another female record. Man was born free, and he is everywhere in chains. Rights are delicate, shy creatures. They're as sweet as a first kiss, as elusive as the sound of lemonade, and as sorrowful as a long kiss goodbye. They're the beginning and the end, a promise from the past stretching into our future. All we have to do is reach out and grab them, cherish them, and live them every day. Governments come and go, laws change, religions drift into obscurity, and still, our rights, our human heritage, the immutable fact of our fundamental existence remains. Know your rights. Know that it comes from your inherent right to property. Cherish them and fight for them every day. Authority and control are the business of government. Force and coercion is their currency. Yet we, we endure. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If so, please consider subscribing. In our next show, we'll be discussing the unintentional brilliance of Starfield and the current state of AAA video games. Until then, stay ungovernable and misbehave.